Welcome to The Heart Zone, featuring George Cannon. This broadcast is a time of teaching and encouragement from Kerwinsville Christian Church. For more information, we invite you to visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. And now for a message from The Heart Zone. Here's George Cannon. You know, guys, uh, before I left, we've been working through this series called The Struggle for Joy, practicing godliness in our lives, and we're we're talking about the rubber meets the road, you living your life for Christ, even in midst of the difficulties that you're facing. Now, the last time I shared with you, I shared with you the mindset that we need to have is the mindset that Christ had of giving himself for others. And you and I are to have that kind of mindset, not to live for ourselves, not to do everything out of selfish ambition, not out of our own desires, but as believers, as we take care of ourselves, we're to consider the needs of others around us. So now, he's going to get into some spe- a specific command in verse 12, and work through the passage and tell us the kind of focus that you and I need to have for the Christian life if we're going to live it. He's going to talk about you and I living our lives with a proper focus. So let's look here at verse 12 of chapter 2. Therefore, my beloved brethren, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. Do all things without complaining and disputing, that you may become blameless and harmless, children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast the word of life, so that I may rejoice in the day of Christ that I have not run in vain or labored in vain. And yes, if I'm being poured out as a drink offering on the sacrifice and service of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. And for this same reason, you also be glad and rejoice with me. Now here's what we're going to do, folks. If we're going to have a proper focus, we kind of need to understand what he's saying here. And so we're going to divide this passage into three sections. We're going to look, first of all, at the command. Verse 12 gives us the command. We're going to see God's provision, how we're able to do what he's asking us to do, and then we're going to see our attitude. Because you and I have to have the proper attitude if we're going to go about doing this. So let's talk, first of all, about the command. What we see there is this. Look at verse 12. Look at what he says there. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence. What's he talking about there? First thing he's telling us to do is this. We are to be consistent. What's the biggest complaint about Christians? The church is filled with what? Do you want to know why that is? It's because we're not consistent. We say one thing, act one way in church, but then the rest of the week we're acting completely what? Different. We're not consistent in our life. And the world sees that. The world, you know, used to, when I used to hear that thing, I used to be angry and say, well, well, they don't know the people I go to church with. Well, the reality is, is yes, they do know the people you go to church with, and they know that we're not consistent, and to them, we are nothing but what? 
hypocrites. And so Paul's saying here to these folks, he's saying to you and I, just like you obeyed when I was with you, I want you to obey when I'm not with you. The way you acted when I was with you, the way you acted in my presence, you act like that when I'm not with you. You be consistent. You be consistent at home. You be consistent at church. You be consistent in the workplace. He's calling us to be consistent in our life. Now, isn't that difficult, huh? Because some of us have made it an art, haven't we? That we're one way at work, we're one way at home, we're one way at church. And he's talking about being consistent in every area of our life. Be consistent. Well, you don't know what it's like, George. Yeah, I don't know what it's like. I don't know what you're going through. But I know what we're called to do. And if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, your faith should be expressed more than just here at church. It should be expressed in the way that you live and the confidence that you have, whether it's your home or at work. So be consistent. Be consistent. In fact, he goes one step further. I'm to be consistent, and what am I supposed to do? Live out your faith. That's what he means here when he says that you work out your salvation. It doesn't mean you work for your salvation. You already have salvation. But you allow your salvation to produce something in your life. Do you understand what I'm saying? So many of us have this concept, again, of it's just fire insurance. I'm not going to hell. Yay! I'm going to heaven. Wow, wonderful. But that's not what he's talking about here. Yes, you have salvation. Yes, you are a new person. Yes, you have forgiveness. Yes, you have cleansing, the removal of shame, the removal of guilt. Now live out your life. Live out what you believe. But so many of us, we just take that little part of our salvation and we we stick it in a little drawer somewhere. Do you know what I mean? Like, here's how I illustrate it. Most of us, I would illustrate it like, you know, if you've got your chest of drawers in your room, if you were to go to my room right now and, and you were to look at George's chest of drawers, it's big, it's up to here, and it's got, I think it's got six or seven drawers. You know, I've got a sock drawer with handkerchiefs, then I've got my underwear drawer, and then I've got my, you know, i got a T-shirt drawer. Actually, i got two T-shirt drawers. And uh, some of them are like 30 years old. I should go through it, but uh, I, I don't know why I'm keeping them. And then I've got a couple jean drawers, you know. And so we, we've got our different drawers. Now, some of you have got cabinets with even smaller drawers. You, do, do you know what I mean? You, you can put little smaller things in them and all of that. And, and, and so a lot of us, that's the way we illustrate our life, isn't it? you got your church drawer or your faith drawer. you got your work drawer. You got your family drawer. You got your extended family drawer. You got your buddy drawer, who how you are with your buddies. And then there's the then there's your drawer. Who you are by yourself that nobody knows but you. And and, and we compartmentalize our lives. And, and the reality is is that we're somebody different in each one of those drawers. Folks, can I tell you something? That's not integrity. What do you mean? Integrity comes from the word that means wholeness. That's, that's the whole of you. And, and what, the, what the apostle is telling us here is, is you be consistent and you live out your faith. 
You live out your salvation. You work out your salvation in every area of your life. You let it impact how you are at work. You let it impact how you are at home with your family. You let it impact how you are with your buddies. You let it impact you when you're alone. That's that's reality. We 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 are commanded to do that. You and I are called to do that. See, it, how different would we be if if all of a sudden we changed and lived out what we believed and we were consistent? Did you know what I'm saying? Because until then, the title is fitting, hypocrite, right? Because we are someone different. And here's what should motivate us to do that. What do you mean motivate us, George? Well, when you talk about being consistent and you're talking about living out your faith, faith, you, you, you've got to be motivated to do that. You've got to have some sort of motivation to guide you there. And look at what it says right there in the text, verse 12. With fear and trembling. What's that about? Here's what it is. An awareness of God should motivate us. An awareness of God should motivate us. I want to be honest with you. When I was a kid, if I was told to do something, I didn't, you know, like any other kid, I've got, I've got my own plans for the day, uh, and I will get to it when I feel like it. So I might not get to it. However, if I was aware that my daddy was keeping tabs on my progress, somehow I would do it and get it done. Why? I'll tell you. It's a four-letter word. Fear. Do, do, do you understand what I'm saying? This is the problem with us today. Can I be honest with you? We have no fear. Are you saying God's like that? Well, God's a loving Father. But he does take us to the woodshed. He does discipline us. And he is aware. And you and I need to be consistent and living out our faith with fear and trouble. That should motivate us because God is aware of what's going on in your life. Too often times we do things because what? We don't think anybody knows. Isn't that right? Too often times we do things because we think nobody is aware. Nobody cares. Folks, he is aware. And that needs to motivate you. That needs to stir you to do the right thing. That needs to stir you to to want to live your life in consistency in every area. And to live out what you believe. Do you know what I'm saying? To live out what you believe. So that's the command. So he moves on then and he gives us God's provision. God's provision. Which is actually verse 13. Because notice what he says there in verse 13. For it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. Because here you are, you're sitting there, you're saying, all right, George, I see that now. All right, I got it. I'm supposed to be consistent. I'm supposed to live out my faith. and I'm supposed to do it because I'm motivated by God. But I'm going to tell you right now, it's hard. It's difficult. How do I do it? I'm going to tell you right now, the scripture tells us that God is the one who helps you. He knows that it's going to be difficult. He didn't say it was going to be easy. But verse 13 is going to tell us two things here. Number one, God enables you to desire and to act. God enables you to desire and to act. 
What do you mean desire and to act? Well, let's stop for a moment. When I was going through the list of things that he's telling us to do here, he's saying to us, number one, we need to be consistent. Number two, that we need to live out our faith, and we need to live it out with fear and trembling. That is, we're motivated by God. Now, as you were sitting there, you were saying, yeah, yeah, I want that for my life, George. I want to be consistent in my life. Yeah, I, I want to live out my faith. I want to live out what I believe. I want it to impact every area of my life. I don't want my life to be a chest of drawers with all these different compartments. I want to be whole. And if you're here and you've got that desire, do you know what I mean? If that desire is there in your heart, I'm going to tell you right now, the passage is telling us, He's the one who gave you the desire. Did you hear that? You may want to write that down. The desire to do good comes from God. Did you understand what I'm saying? The desire to do what's right in your life comes from God himself. Isn't that an encouragement? Now, if you're sitting here and you're saying, I don't care, there's a problem. Because most of you should be saying, yeah, this is what I want for my life. And if that desire is there, he's the one who enables you to desire. But he goes one step further. He just doesn't give you that desire. He gives you the ability to what? Do it. He just doesn't give you the desire for it. He gives you the ability to do it. So what he's asking you to do here, to be consistent in your life, to live out your faith, and to be motivated by him, that desire and the ability to do it, what is he telling us here in verse 13? It comes from God. It comes from God. So let me ask you a question. Are you struggling? Are you struggling in your Christian life? Are you wrestling with an issue? Are you wrestling with some kind of sin issue in your life? Some kind of habit that is destroying you? Maybe it's an attitude. Maybe it's a lack of forgiveness. Are you struggling? And, and, and you want something different. You want some, you want change to happen in your life. Everybody know what I'm talking about? You, you want change to happen. I'm going to tell you right now, the desire for the change, that comes from God. What you need to understand is, is He's going to give you the ability to, to bring about the change. But here's what you got to do. you got to quit hanging out there by yourself trying to figure out how to do it and ask Him to help you. God, you're the one who wants me to do right. You're the one who's given me the desire to do right. God, you give me the ability to do it. You show me how to do it. You give me the strength to do it. You guide me. Help me, God. I can't do it without you. But so many of us, we don't even ask him for help. We're just kind of like, I'm here in another netherland. Uh, I wish I could do better, but I can't. Uh, I'm just helpless. Uh. No. He doesn't want you to be drifting around like that. This is the reality. You and I need to have a proper focus. We need to get serious about our walk with God. And recognize that He gives you the desire and the ability to do it. Now, why does He do that? Why does He do that? He tells us right here, verse 13, for His good pleasure. What in the world does that mean, George? Well, here's what it is. This brings pleasure to God. It's not very often that you catch a glimpse of what God feels in the Scripture. 
It's not very often that you catch a glimpse of what God thinks about you. And what I see here is, I think, the most amazing thing. That he's telling me to be consistent. He's telling me to live out my faith. And that I'm to do it with fear and trembling. He's the one who gives me the desire. He gives me the one, the ability to do it. And the reason why he gives me the desire and the ability to do it is that when I do it and I work on it and I strive to be consistent and I live out my faith, it brings him pleasure. It brings him enjoyment. Do you know what I'm talking about? Here, let me let me help you to understand. So like, okay, yesterday was a tournament, basketball tournament over at uh, school. And uh, Foster was playing basketball, and uh, during the first period, uh, I'm a proud dad because he was he was doing good, and, and I was getting pleasure watching my son. How many of you know what I'm talking about? You've you've watched your kids; they've gotten up there and performed. They've they've hit the ball out of the park, and, and they've run the bases, or or they smashed some guy on the football field, or they ran in a touchdown. Or, or they did this, or they did that, or, or they crooned that tune, or, you know, do you know what I'm saying? And you got what out of it? You got pleasure. You got delight from them. See, when you and I do this, when we're consistent, when we work on our salvation, because we're motivated by His presence in our life, we realize, you know what, he's the one who's given me the desire to do this. He's the one who's given me the ability to do this. And as we step out and do it, it brings God pleasure. It brings him joy to see us doing right. Isn't that awesome? Don't you want to do that? Don't you want to start out today and say, hey God, how am I going to tickle your fancy today? What am I going to do today that brings joy to you? Do you know what I'm saying? What a motivation. This is what's happening here. So he tells us now, verses 14 through 18, the attitude with which we're to do it. And I think it's fitting that he starts off with verse 14. Look at what he says in verse 14. Do all things without complaining or disputing. Whoa, well, he just was telling me about bringing pleasure to God, and now he's talking about me, don't complain. What's he talking about here? Well, here's what he's saying. Don't be a complainer. Because the reality is, is it is a struggle to live the life, isn't it? I mean, every day isn't going to be wonderful. There are going to be days when you wish you could just sleep in. And you say, Lord, why, why Why should I do this? Why should I do what you're asking me to do? And, and complaining is only going to be what? Natural. Natural. I mean, the apostle knows that there are going to be times when we're like, hey, I, I really don't want to do anything today. You ever felt that way? At least I'm not the only one, okay? Do, do you know what I'm saying? And and we know we we want to, but we're like, ah, oh, I don't want to. We're complaining. What's he saying here? First of all, I got to have that attitude. 
Don't be a complainer. Don't be a complainer about your walk with God. Don't be a complainer about life. Don't be a disputer. It goes on there. Look what he says. Verse 15. Why? That you may become blameless and harmless, children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation. Here's why. You have a testimony before this generation. See, you're not living your life on your own. People around you know that you claim to be a Christian. They're watching you. You don't think they are? They are. Families watching you. People you work with are watching you. Your neighbors are watching you. Do you understand what I'm saying? You need to do these things, not be a complainer, and recognize you have a testimony before this generation. And trust me, you can sit there and say, well, I'll go, I'll go on a vacation where nobody knows me. Hey folks, I'm shocked sometimes. I'm sitting on the other side of the world in an airport and there's somebody who knows me. The world ain't that big. You have a testimony before this generation. That's what he's saying here. He goes on. Let's go on. Look at what else he says here. Verse 16. Persevere until the end. You hang in there. Even though you don't feel like it sometimes, you hang in there. You persevere until the end because one day, one day when the day comes, the day he's talking about here is the day when Jesus Christ returns. And the judgment comes and you stand before him. Won't it be wonderful to hear him say to you, well done, thou good and faithful servant. I mean, I, yesterday, pulling away from the school, I said to Foster, you did good. I didn't say those exact words, but I said something similar. And he doesn't want to listen, so he's like, like most kids, okay? Persevere to the end. You say, okay, George, how, how, do we, how do we wrap this up? How do we get there? Well, let me ask you two questions. If we're going to have this proper focus, you've got to ask yourself these two questions. And again, these are not questions for you to just answer right now. You need to take them home and you need to think on them. Here's the first one. What, what motivates you? That's a big one, isn't it? What motivates you? Now, some of you will say, oh, well, I'm motivated by my kids. Okay, great, wonderful. But I want you to think that one through because your motivation for your kids may have more to do with you than your kids. Okay? Because you can be selfish even about your motivation for your kids. And as they get older, they realize it. Do you hear me? When they're smaller... It's okay, but when they get older, they know it's not really us, Mom or Dad. It's, it's you. So what, what motivates you? What's the job? It's a job. It's, 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 I'm motivated by my work. No, no, you're motivated by your ambition at work, maybe. You're saying you're being awfully harsh, George. No, I want you to be honest. So you be brutal with yourself. 
I'm motivated by Jesus. Really? Really? Is, is, are you sure that's not you? What motivates you? And I gotta ask me those hard, those hard questions too. And here's the second one. Here's the, so this is, only you can answer this question, okay? Does your life reflect what you believe? You know, it was Billy Graham who said that confessionally we are, we are Christians, but practically we're atheists. Did you hear what he said? Confessionally, that means what we say with our mouths, we're Christians, but practically how we live our lives, we're atheists. So what does your life reflect? So if we were to go and nonchalantly sit down with the people you work with and say, oh, well, tell us about so-and-so. What can you tell us about their life? Would they say anything about your Christianity? What do your kids say? What does your spouse say? What do you say when you look in the mirror? If you're honest with yourself. So what motivates you? Does your life reflect what you believe? So here's what you got to do. You, you wrestle through with those questions. You come to a conclusion. And you're like, okay, God, I need your help. What do I need to do here? Here's what your action point is. Ask the Spirit to help you to live what you believe before others. Hey, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna be flat out honest with you. This is what we need. And I'm talking to myself. We need people to live it out. To be real. Now when I say be real, I'm not talking about that you're walking around with your Bible all day long. Hi, my name's so-and-so. Yeah, this is my Bible. I'm a Christian. No, I'm not saying you need to act that way. Don't. Please don't. Okay? You're going to embarrass the rest of us. But what I am saying is, quit giving lip service and acting a whole different way. Do you hear what I'm saying? Quit saying you believe... But you live your life like hell. Did you know what I'm saying? It's time to be real. If you really believe, then live it. Be consistent. Let there be some consistency between your mouth and your actions. Let it be real in your life. And the only way that you're going to do it is you have the Holy Spirit help you to do it. Because I'm going to be right honest with you. You could be out here and say, okay, yeah, I'm going to do what George says. You're going to fail. Because in and of your own strength, you can't do it. But as the Spirit guides you and leads you, one step at a time, one step at a time, He'll change you. But you got to want to. First of all, isn't He the one who gives you the desire to want to? So I guess we start there, don't we? God, give me the desire to change. And help me to do it. And help me to live out what I believe before others.
Thank you for being with us this morning. And we trust that today's message has been both challenging and an encouragement to your heart. At Kerwinsville Christian Church, a warm welcome is always extended to you. We're located at 700 State Street, Kerwinsville, Pennsylvania. For more information about our ministry, please visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. Now, on behalf of George Cannon and the entire church family, we hope that you will look to the Heavenly Father in all that you face this coming week.